You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay, ready to talk a little Green Bay Packers this morning. I've got a lot to cover, Tim, a lot of injury news that dropped. You know, we got Chalk Talk in last night, obviously. Had a full house, had uh, had Tim in here, had Emilio, had Carly all watching live with us. The chat was full. To the best of my knowledge, the stream didn't go down at all. I still don't understand why sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. But uh, nonetheless, it made for a good night. But how you doing this morning, pal? Doing great, man. Diesel in the cup, ready to roll. Happy Friday. Go, Pack, go. How about you, Clay? How you doing? Doing good, man. I already had my diesel. And uh, so if you guys see me drinking this Coke Zero here, just understand I, I'm not a quitter. Mama didn't raise a quitter. All right? I already had my diesel, so we're good to go. Um, but with that being said, man, let's try to get caught up in a lot of news dropping here lately. We're going to talk injuries and stuff. First, I want to talk this fumble from Keyshawn Nixon just real quick. I want to briefly hit on it. This was a, an interesting stat from Rob Domofsky on Twitter. said, Keyshawn Nixon's fumble was Green Bay's seventh lost fumble on punt returns since the start of the 2019 season, obviously the floor era, the LaFleur era. Uh, that's tied with Tennessee for second most in that span. KC has eight. It's also the second game this season. Green Bay has three turnovers. Otherwise, or other was week five at Las Vegas on Monday Night Football. You know, somebody in the chat, I think it was Justin, put up a graphic that said that, uh, four losses, all, all four of these losses. I'm trying to remember which losses they were. I know Vegas was one of them. All four of these losses, we had the lead, and the defense gave up the lead. And uh, when I looked at it, I went, okay, it's the Falcons, it's the Steelers, it's the Giants, and it's the Raiders. All four, I'm almost positive, at least three, Jake confirmed, at least three, but I think all four, we lost the turnover differential. But the only stat that's getting highlighted is we lost the lead in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so – it's important to – it's what we say. We try not to lean on one specific stat. Look at everything. Everything's a tool, right? So the fumbles have definitely been an issue. I was surprised when I seen Rob's tweet here, though. I didn't expect that to be, an, it'd be you know, that high, although special teams has been a pretty big blunder, Tim. But I will say this. I've heard Michael Lombardi and other people talk about you're going to have bad special teams with West Coast uh, design teams. And I was like, what does that even mean? And essentially what he's saying is the East Coast type teams, your Bill Parcells type approach, uh, Bill Belichick, those guys, they put a huge emphasis on special teams when building their roster. West Coast offense uh, run teams typically are trying to find that extra little, that extra piece at the bottom of the roster, whether it's wide receiver, running back, offensive line, whatever. They're not as keyed in on special teams. It all makes sense now when you look at this stat because I don't think that's a coincidence that since 2019, as soon as LaFleur stepped in, um, the special teams has been kind of kind of rough. What do you think about that stat? Anything? Am I digging too deep there? No, I think there's some truth to that. Um, you know, as much as they want to rake Joe Barry over the coals, Coach Passaccia seems to be uh, not on anyone's radar at all. And um, that's not to bag on Coach Coach Passaccia. I've got a lot of respect for him. 
but let's be honest that that's what he was brought here to do was shore up our special teams um you know he's promoted to assistant head coach so obviously he's doing a little bit more than he was just as a, a special teams coordinator there's there's a lot more moving pieces but um you know we're I, I've always said for years is we don't have to be a great special teams unit we don't even have to be a good special teams unit. We just cannot be a liability special teams unit. And, you know, as of late, it seems like we're kind of getting back in those old, those old tendencies. We've even seen, um, you know, guys not staying in their lane on kicks and, you know, poor tackling, things like this. Some of the, some of the crap that we had to deal with before Basaccia was even here uh, is starting to creep up again. And I think there is some truth to, you know, yeah, we're a West Coast-based offense, so we're going to put emphasis in other areas, and then we're going kind of going to just ask our guys to play special teams as well, rather than bringing in guys that are specialists. Um, with the exception, of course, of um, you know a few guys that aren't even here anymore that were brought in for this purpose. Um, so I, I, I guess I, I see what's going on. I just um, you know, how do you correct that? Because we're not going to change our whole our whole approach. We're not going to not be a West coast offense and, you know, suddenly start bringing in a bunch of special teamers, but we have to get it to the point where it's not going to cost us because certainly the turnovers um, in the special teams game didn't help us at all. And uh, maybe something else is going on with Monday night too, man. This team just cannot play Monday night games. They're just not what it is. They sure show up on Sunday night football though. My goodness. But you know, yeah, Raiders and uh, the Giants, two two teams that we should have beat for sure, one hundred percent for sure, should have had those dubs and uh, just couldn't get it done. So I don't, I don't know, man. I, what do you think about that? Do you think it's you know a coordinator thing? Do you think it's just players not not taking it serious and not executing out there? Or mm-hmm. I, I think uh, it's been a problem for so long. It, it couples right in with the defense. Everybody, everybody's trying to point the finger and go, it's his fault, right? Not that you are, Tim, not that I am, but like, you know, like general consensus, if you go to social media, if you were to take a poll and say, who's at fault for special teams or whatever, and you had an option of roster building, I guarantee you it would get the least amount of votes. I guarantee you it would be Keyshawn Nixon's to blame, Rich Passaccia's to blame, you know, and, and you kind of mentioned it off the air too. I mean, it's it's a good point. Everybody's on this. Joe Barry's the reason we're losing train, and they're completely overlooking the fact that our special teams is right back to being garbage. You know, yep. we no longer have the home runs from Keyshawn, right? The, the 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 touchdowns, right? Or the the long kickoff returns, at least on a consistent basis, where you're automatically in scoring position, right? Those type of things. And I understand you don't want to build your whole special teams around just the home run hitters. You want to do the good things. You know, the 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 normal things good, I guess you could say. Um, I think there's a lot of merit to how the roster's being built, man. You know, it's it's been going on for so long in Green Bay. I mean, you can't you can't just ignore the fact that the defensive coordinators, we just keep running each defensive coordinator off and it's their fault. Okay, this guy's gonna come in and fix it. Which by the way, Carly mentioned, did anybody watch the Chargers Raiders game last night? Um, I did. For those of you who were wondering, they lost. I had to score up. I think it was 63, I think, 63 to 21. Yeah. I remember just a four a, a few short years ago. Brandon Staley was the top defensive mind in the league. And he gets hired in to be the head coach for the uh, the L.A. Chargers, right? Now, it's kind of weird because he was an offensive guy who was calling defense, right? Or it, it's something along those lines. It's like he's kind of one of those, those hybrid coaches, if you will. 
But it's just another example of do you think do you think Staley just doesn't know how to coach? I don't think that. I think that the league is cyclical, like we talk about. What he was doing at the time was working. He gets a head coaching job. He continues to call. I'm pretty sure he's still calling a defense, if I remember correctly. Maybe he's a defensive coordinator that's calling offense. It's one of the two. But nonetheless, defense is garbage. I know we're looking at Green Bay's defense going, oh, my God, this is horrible, even though we're top ten in scoring. Um, you look out there, and they're giving up 63 points to a team that didn't score three points last last week. That's wild. It's absolutely wild. But any given Sunday. But, yeah, I did watch it, Carly. It's it's good to kind of keep your finger on the pulse across the league and see what the tendencies are, where people are uh, performing at, and all those different things for sure. Uh, C.W. Irving in the chat says, I got a question I'm not understanding. How are we in the seventh spot when Atlanta isn't a division leader and they have the head-to-head tiebreaker? So I just pulled it up because I was like, man, that is a good question. I thought that was how the tiebreaker worked. Just Googled it, and according to NFL.com, uh, the uh, the conference tiebreakers, okay, to determine, you know, the conference standings. Number one is head-to-head if applicable. Um, the Falcons beat us head-to-head, right? So you would think they would have the tiebreaker over us. Now, we do have the same record. I'm assuming that's correct, uh, what C-Dub's saying there. Uh, that is right, Tim. That is – I don't have the uh, the uh, updated standings pulled up right now. I may have them actually stored in here. Let me look real quick. I believe we're all six and seven. Yeah, pretty sure. Let's drop this comment down real quick. Um, let's see. So, yeah, Atlanta's six and seven. I see what you're saying, man. Um, unless what I'm reading online is outdated and something's changed, that make a whole lot of sense, right? Now, when you get to the second layer of that, if you know if they hadn't played head to head, it's supposed to be best one loss percentage in games played within the conference. So it's your conference versus your your record against you know in conference opponents, you know other people in the NFC. And then it goes to win-loss percentage in common games and, and so on and so forth. So I don't know how to answer that for you, man. I really don't. Maybe somebody in the chat can hit that. Um, let's uh, scroll down and see if they did here real quick. We're already off topic, but that's all right. The chat, the chat controls Good Morning Lambo. That's how it works. Uh, let's see if anybody else has commented on it. You would think there would be a simple answer, but, uh, yeah, tiebreaker is different. Here we go. Doug says tiebreaker is different from multiple teams tied uh, than for two teams tied. Oh, okay. okay. So there's a whole gang of six and seven teams. Gotcha. The so there's, yeah. So maybe when you get more than two teams yep. that with the tiebreaker involved, it maybe it goes that's to conference six. record or something. That's oh, why so this why game on Sunday is so important. Yeah. I mean, here's another six and seven team coming here. Mm-hmm. Another NFC team. Um, we talked about that, right? We talked that's about, we, huge. we, we, Definitely, we we would like Atlanta to win their division. Yeah, certainly make things a little bit easier on us um, right. with us holding that tiebreaker over the Saints. But yeah, this is a whole different ball game now. And hey, we've got we've got a little little over a, about a month of football left here, uh, regular season ball. I mean, imagine how the landscape of the league's going to look in a week or two. We yeah. could be having totally different conversations here. It's going to get wild. Um, you're going to have a lot of coaches. I think someone predicted that there's going to be somewhere around 10 coaching changes on the year because last year they were a little bit below average, and typically you got to, you know, kind of how the numbers shake out. So there's going to be a lot of people losing jobs here real soon. Uh, Bill Belichick obviously is going to another team. We just don't know which team yet. Um, it sounds like it's already been predetermined. Like you guys heard me say, um, I would think uh, it would be the Giants. But I uh, could be wrong there. We'll see. Um, I'm sure he wants to stay somewhere along the East Coast simply because he wants to stay close to his Nantucket compound. But I know some people are holding out hope he'd be the D.C. and Green Bay. Listen, if you can make that happen, bring him in. 
premium. There's there's a multitude of coaches I would love to have as DC. Problem is they're not available and they're looking for head coaching jobs and you can't do a lateral move, right? Unless both clubs agree on it. Um, oh, but, that's so true. So true. I remember feeling that way about D'Amico Ryan's. Yes, and, then, and, and it's like, oh man, w- w- wouldn't it be great to get that guy as a coordinator? And then it's like, yeah, he's going to be a head coach. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Casey Knapp in the chat said, "Is it just me, or could Joe Barry be Clayton's long lost uncle? Throw a hat on Barry, and you'll see it. Ha ha! Not a dig about the D takes either. Maybe that's the case, man. Maybe I do got a little, little Joe Barry. I don't know, man. Um, I feel like Joe Barry's in a lot better shape than me. His his face is a little more narrow. You know what I'm saying? But uh. Yeah, and you know sure. why? Because Joe Barry walks everywhere around the facility. I never see him on a golf cart or getting picked up and <laughs> driven around like some of these guys. <laughs> Barry's out there just walking around, man, getting his steps in. So, somewhere the haters right now are saying, uh, well, it's because he doesn't know how to drive. He's too stupid to drive. Oh, gosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Carly Ray in the chat says, if we win against the Bucks and Panthers, we will be back to having a 73% chance to make – the wild card round. Yeah, we had that graphic here too. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, playoff chances per win total. This is a few weeks ago, but if you get the 10 wins, 99% chance. If you get the nine, it was 85%. You get to eight, it was 21%. Now that may have changed. I'm assuming it was just projections like it says there. But uh, yeah, you get the 10, you're in, man. How many games we got left now, Tim, as we pull it up here? We've got uh, four, right? Four more. We got four, more. Let me four see. more games left. Let's check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at it, kind of how it sits. So if you win out, right, we'll, you go we'll ten, hit 10 and wins. If we win out, yeah. If you win three, you still got a really good chance. You win two, you still got a shot. But uh, you know, like yeah. I said, you gotta, you know, you can't complain if you if you can't win at least three of these last four and not get in, right? Like you just can't. That's you can't, right. It's Did crazy. You see, uh, the post online for the Panthers game. There's tickets going for like seventy something cents plus fees. <laughs> for real in Carolina. Maybe yeah. trying to get me to go to that because it's just about three hours from us. Yeah. Um, I'm like, man, I don't want to do that on Christmas Eve. Like, I, right, I, want to do right. that. I love football, but I, I, I would love to look at the tree and watch the game right here rather than be no, out there trying to hustle back. But um, yeah, so we'll see, man. Hey, look, people are you're marking that a dub just like you did the Giants game, just like you marked the Chiefs and the uh, Lions game as L's. Like, you think people would learn by now to stop doing that, <laughs> but it is what it is. C.W. Urban says, thanks, Packer Nation. Love how we all come together to figure this stuff out. Posse is tight knit. Yeah, that's what makes this thing so great, man, is, uh, is everybody here kind of kind of chatting. Um, you know what I think is really interesting caveat about the playoff picture is I never would have – if you would have told me at the beginning of this year that there would possibly be three NFC North teams in the playoffs, I would have told you you're a liar. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm looking now like there is a legitimate chance that that could happen. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Unless yeah. we leapfrog Minnesota and bounce them, that would be great. Yeah. Omer in the chat said the hatred for Barry is so bad they block him fan comments on his presser, LMAO. It's true. It's true. Um, so during his press conference, people were commenting very bad things. Now there's some that got deleted. I'm sure shouldn't have got deleted, but you could imagine. I just got into an altercation on, on Twitter with two fans commenting, just me sharing the video saying, here's Barry explaining and confirming what Matt LaFleur was saying that it was Carrington that didn't get the, didn't get the call. He's the only player on the field. Didn't get the call. And uh, they come sprinting in and they want to, 
cuss you out and call you uh call you bad things and then get mad because you're not agreeing with them. It's it's swap. It's like, man, you block everybody who disagrees with you. I don't block a single person who disagrees with me. I block people who the only time I hear from them is when they're in my mentions disagreeing, right? The only time you hear from them. We got one that's a big Packernet supporter, been for years. Now he sent me DMs two or three times apologizing to me. But lo and behold, just the other day, did it again. I'm like, all right, look, dude, we're done. I'm just going to block it. Like, I don't need it. I don't need the negativity. What I need is to learn more about football. I need to connect with people who are interested in learning more about football and helping me learn more about football, not just jumping in a comment and going, you're a moron. Like the, the Kurt Warner tweet that he yeah, put up. That was um, great. Man, it was great. And, I, and I, him addressing the replies to it was also priceless. Yeah. Like I, I had actually had uh, I quote tweeted him and, and this was just I mean, it's absolutely perfect the way that he worded this. Um, it, it explains like his intent. Right. And he gets attacked all the time too. imagine. Imagine how how big of an ego you've got to have as a fan to attack a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback for disagreeing with him. Like, so he said, uh, always fun to hear people rip someone or something and then you show them the tape and they come up with a completely different take to explain their point. <laughs> like it's exactly what happens. Well, you know, Joe Barry's playing soft. Okay, no, they weren't. They weren't playing preview on the last drive. Here's they actually played cover one man six out of seven times. Yeah, well, that means that they played prevent one time. No, they didn't. They played country quarters and it was a five yard game. Like the narrative gets completely changed in the middle of the argument, to you know, that's what he's basically saying. He said it's one of the problems we have. People will fight for their narrative even without actual analysis to back it up. Hashtag why we do this. Um, so that's his goal is just to get out and better educate people on the game and uh, and not just say, hey, here's what I've seen on tape, but here's why I think it happened. Here's how my past experiences ties into it. Those are the things that we as fans don't have that experience you can't do. That's why it's invaluable that you follow people like Kurt Warner. You follow people. You know, I've heard people say, I don't care about Kurt being Kurt. He's a, a journeyman. He spent, what, one year in the league. What does he know about football? He knows more than you who spent – Zero years in the league. Does it mean you have to agree with everything he says? Absolutely not. But yeah, I think a lot of those people are the same people that love Kurt Ben Kurt when he was here too. Absolutely. And and now they want to drag him. So and they loved him before he was kind of outspoken about supporting Aaron Rodgers and speaking out on the floor a little bit. Then all of a sudden they hate him. It's like those yep. narratives are drawn. But anyway, um, yeah. Here's the thing, Omer. Don't be afraid to block people, man. If they're rude to you, block them. It ain't worth it. There's nothing positive coming out of trying to have a conversation with someone who all they want to do is constantly argue, right? Right. And you know they're convinced of something, and they're going to stop at nothing to convince you. And, right. and there's no that's not a dialogue, or there's no information being exchanged. And that's you're right. You got to just it takes two to tango, and if you refuse to engage, it just it's the best way to handle it. Yeah. Derek K said that's bad. Everyone is on the fire Joe Barry train. I think at this point, you've got to, Derek. You've got to. Because, you know, the goal is to the goal is to win ball games, right? If if you as a coaching staff can't win ball games with the current state of either side of the ball, you got to weigh out the pros and cons. You got to say, okay, how do you how do you approach this? How do you make this situation better, the best case scenario? If you can go find someone like a young D'Amico Ryans, they're a needle in a haystack, guys. Like, you've got to do a lot of searching for them. 
But if you find him and you improve that defense, now you continue to be a top 10 defense in scoring, and now you limit maybe time of possession for that team, then your team got better. I'm all for it. The problem is you can't guarantee that kind of hire, right? So, you know, as far as everyone being on the fire Joe Barry train, the fans are. There's no two ways about it. Like, if you did a poll, it's probably 98% they want him gone, right? So, you know, when I say you have to do it, if you want things to change, you probably have to do it because right now the problem you've got is they're not executing the scheme. It's not a scheme issue. That's all I've pointed out on Chalk Talk all year long, and I get attacked saying I defend Joe Barry, right? I'm simply pointing, here's the scheme call. They blew a coverage. They missed tackles. That's why the scheme failed. Um, Carrington Valentine, he's playing, you know, 10, 12 yards off the ball. Why? Because he didn't get the call, and he's like, I'm going to play it safe here. Yeah, but he did the right thing, right? He played it safe, and he didn't get beat. And people are fixating on this play. Why why don't we fixate on Keyshawn biting inside? That's the the play that was the danger. Tim, you can't do that because now it destroys all of their comments previously for the last year and a half where we were screaming, why are we not playing man coverage? You played yeah, a like I said, I hope they do get a coordinator that's going to come in here and run the same thing. We're going to run the Fangio style defense and watch people lose their minds about the same scheme. Or even worse, this is this is what I worry about with what he's saying that you know everybody wants Joe Barry fired. Even worse, the cyclical nature of the league, right? If you're if you're hell bent on playing press man, right? It may be popular for one or two years and then it start to get burned because the defense catches on. And then it'll be a few years before it kind of wraps back around and it's successful. Um, you know, that's why I like the bend but don't break. You kind of know what you've got week in and week out. Really what it comes down to, guys, we're going to hold teams to 20 points. That's essentially where we're at. So if we can score 21 to 23 points, we're going to win more games than we lose, right? That's where the defense is. Now you say, well, I want to be able to hold them to 15. All right, there's only like a handful of teams that are doing that. Let's look at those teams real quick. Didn't expect to talk about this, but here we are. This is good stuff. This is usually what makes the best shows. Um, So when we look at defense, points per game, right? San Francisco, 15.8. Baltimore, 16.8. Kansas City, 17.5. Dallas, 17.9. Minnesota, 18.6. Buffalo, 18.8. So if you're, let's say that 18 is the cutoff. You know, it's Green Bay's 20 and a half, right? We're 11. So if the cutoff there is, let's say, the 18 mark, then the overall goal is okay. We want to keep them to you know that that few points, right? We want to keep them to under eighteen points. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Understand that those teams in the defense they run, I don't even know what San Francisco runs now. They may have changed it up. I imagine it's still of the same vein of the of the Fangio style, which they had Sala. Sala ran uh, a two-high look with a little buzz action, which was the Pete Carroll look, but they changed it up to quarters. They thought they were playing quarters the entire time, and they were actually playing cover three because they were just spinning constantly, spinning constantly, meaning they're bringing the safety down late. So they may still be running that same type of defense. I don't know. I'd have to look at their tendencies. I didn't want to get – too far down that rabbit trail. Um, it, when Joe Barry gets fired, we will talk about this at to no end. Okay, uh, Baltimore. Um, they've always been kind of a thirty-four. They've done some hybrids. They've done forty-three too. So they're probably more of a hybrid um, zone-heavy team with a lot of blitzing is what they've been in the past. I need to look at their tendencies. Kansas City. Where do they run it? We talked. We played them earlier in the year, right? They blitz like crazy, don't they? Absolutely blitz like crazy. So Dallas, another one, right? Dallas plays a lot of man coverage, if I remember correctly. Uh, they're blitzing a lot, too. They put they basically put their guys in man coverage and try to hit home, right? So you're seeing a trend here. Minnesota, uh, they blitz a lot, don't they, right? So don't be surprised in if a year or two these teams start to drop. Typically, a good defense doesn't carry over to the next year. And the reason being is because the league catches on. they got a full season of tape, and they'll start to catch up. What makes a good co- good coordinator great is they don't completely sink out of sight and they kind of hover around that top 10 constantly, right? So if you do change the scheme, you've got to plan on, you know, one to two years of a setback there, right? When you look at oh, – We won't we won't hear the fans being patient, right? We'll, we'll, we'll fire Joe Barry. We'll, we'll get a new coordinator. We will. We'll switch the scheme. And, and by the way, we'll probably have some personnel changes because that just comes with the territory in an offseason. And then we're just going to magically come out and that system is going to, the players are going to know it and it's going to run flawlessly. Right. That that's right. the attitude people have that it do, these things don't take time, which right. is. And here's crazy. the other thing too, to take into consideration too, Tim, Minnesota people immediately go, that was a one year turnaround. There's people on Twitter right now with a huge following saying, boy, it'd be nice just to change defense and get that one year turnaround like Minnesota did. Right. Okay. Why, why was he available? Why was Brian Flores available? Because two years ago, he got ran out of Miami because he sucked as a coach. So why did it not work two years ago, but it's working now? Three years ago, but it's working now. Because the league is cyclical. They're going to catch on, and these defenses are going to start to sputter a bit. It's kind of like We're the people that bring up Barry's record in Detroit. They mm-hmm. never want to let that go, as if he's done nothing since. Right. So we hit, we hit a home run when we hired Dom Capers. We caught it in the first – cycle of that 34 zone was still kind of peaked right and they played well we won a super bowl with it and immediately what happened after the super bowl the defense started sucking why because the league is cyclical in nature so that happens you run dom capers out who did you bring in you bring in mike petton why did you bring in mike petton what was the biggest pelt on his wall he was the defensive coordinator for rex ryan with the New York Jets, okay? If the New York Jets' defense was so star-spangled, freaking awesome, why was Rex Ryan and Mike Pettin out of a job? Because the league caught on, and it is cyclical. We hire Mike Pettin. He comes in. What was it, one, two years, however long it was? The fans wanted him, ran out of town. Why did it suck? Because the league is cyclical. So you go to Joe Barry. Why did you go to Joe Barry? 
because quarters coverage was dominating. Fangio's system was dominating the league. He comes in, first year, huge improvement. Everybody was throwing the flowers at Joe Barry. The second year, they take a slight step back, fire Joe Barry. He's a moron. Why do we have this D.C.? We're wasting Aaron Rodgers' prime or, you know, his last years or whatever. This year he comes out. They're performing better this year than they did last year in points per game, and they still want the fire up. So you'll notice that with Barry, he's hovering right there in the middle, right? Not in the middle, really in the top half, but not like a top five defense, although we have flirted with the top five when it comes to points per game earlier in the year. So what's going to happen is you run him out of town. I'm not saying you couldn't hit a home run, but in order to hit a home run, you better find that scheme that's not on its way out or peaking right now because as that as the, as the cyclical nature of the league continues to roll, continues to spin, what you might find yourself doing is exactly what you did with Mike Pettin, which is hire someone in because of the success they had the last three or four years, the league's caught on, they struggle, you fire him, run him out of town. It's his fault now, and now all of a sudden you're starting over with a new scheme. So um, I'm simply saying I think this defense is good enough for us to win. They're going to continue to get better when people get healthy. Stop with the whole we got eight first-round picks. They're not on the field, guys. They haven't been on the field all year long. we got to stop with that. So, again, I've said all year long, I'm not opposed to getting rid of Joe Barry if we can find a better option. But if that better option means let's go pluck someone from San Francisco and then that – let me ask you this. What makes San Francisco so good at defense? Is it the scheme or is it being willing to trade a third-round pick for Chase Young? Is yep. it – is it your Nick Bosa's? Is it your Fred Warner's? I'm sorry, you're not going to convince me the reason they're good is because of scheme. Players win games, period, case closed. Belichick, 101. Players win them and coaches lose them. The better roster is typically going to win. Yes, you have to have a good scheme and you got to put everything together. But I'm just telling you, man, we, we the thought that we weren't willing to trade a third-round pick for a Chase Young-type player blows my mind. Blows my what willing to trade a second round pick. It's a proven commodity. Like he's proven he can play at that level. So if we we rewind to last year, I like LVN, guys. I love LVN. You guys know I think he's going to be a great player. We'll just play devil's advocate for a minute. Imagine if last year you threw the RAS out the window and said, you know what? Let's go out of our comfort zone here. We need someone to play nickel and or safety. Safety in base, nickel in or you know, slot in nickel. And you go and you draft Brian Branch with that first pick. Brian Branch is one of the highest graded rookies in all of PFF in the entire National Football League this year. And then you turn around this year and you go, okay, well, that's going to make you a little light as far as depth at the edge position. And then you trade a third round pick for a Chase Young. And now when Preston Smith, you can let Preston Smith go next year if you needed to. And you've got Rashawn Gary and Chase Young on the edges. Now I know the Joe Barry or the uh the Brian Gutekinds defenders are going to hate this. I got you. Fan how you want to fan. I'm just telling you. That's another way to navigate this roster building. The only difference between the two is there's two differences. Your secondary is still weak because you wouldn't take Brian Branch because you can't get out of your own damn way because you're obsessed with a certain level of athleticism. And then on top of that, you're not willing to give up a third-round pick for a, a premier tier one position of importance in someone like Chase Young. And now instead you've got – Rather than having Chase Young, who's proven and ready to go today, you got LBN, who's kind of working his way into that role, like we did with Rashawn, and you're still weak in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, RAS is great, athletic ability is great, but you could be the best athlete on the field if you're not in the right position, if you're not right. where you're supposed to be, if you don't understand what's going on. You're 
not going to say useless, but it's it's wasted talent, wasted ability. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, so when you look at the defense points per play, just to take it a, a level deeper, Baltimore is number one, San Francisco is number two, Kansas City, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, New York Jets. I know everybody likes to make fun of the New York Jets. Their defense is solid. Um, so uh, Dallas, Buffalo, Green Bay falls 10th. They climb one spot higher. So just don't be surprised if you change schemes. If you don't catch it on the uptrend and you catch it as it's peaked, you're probably going to see these numbers go down. Now, their rushing yards may go down, guys. And if it does, and that makes you happy, awesome, more power to you. I could give two – I could give a rat's rear end about rushing yards over points per game. I'm sorry. Yep. And, and I always – when they, when they come at me with that argument, I always say, okay, let me ask you this. You have to pick one of the two. Would you rather give up more points per game or more yards per game? It's silence. It do, They do exactly what Kurt Warner talked about. Right, because they so, know the truth. Points are what the next, They'll go to another thing and say, well, what about this? They change the subject. Yeah, because so. points matter. That's paramount. Yeah. Let's see here uh, in the chat. Let me drop this down here. Uh, Doug says, I want Joe Barry gone. Don't launch me, Clayton. <laughs> but I'm sad and scared for society based on some of some of the tweets I've seen about Barry. I completely understand, Doug. Doug, if you said, I want Joe Barry gone, I don't think he's the guy, I completely understand. Yeah. He's not been top five. Nobody said he has. I'm simply showing the tape. People yeah, lose the, their mind. The personal so attacks are crazy. Yeah. The society thing, that's why I get it, man. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me when we drafted a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. It reminds me of when we drafted a guy by the name of Jordan Love. Hell, it reminds me of six weeks ago when people were screaming fire Matt LaFleur. Like, it's wild, man. Wild. It's yeah, it's not- just like we were talking about the Cam Newton comments offline about him talking about game managers and then he gets dragged in the mainstream media and he, and his position. And and let me preface this. I am not a Cam Newton fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I respect the man for what he said. He said, Hey, if you don't agree with what I said, attack my opinion. Don't, don't bring personal, don't, you know, don't attack me personally. Mm -hmm. And then he clarified the comments that he made about, you know, game manager quarterbacks and, you know, he wasn't being derogatory. He was basically talking about what, what he thinks a game manager does and is, and again, it's like the same thing with Barry. If you if you don't like Joe Barry's calls, right? I've heard that, right? Oh, the scheme's fine. We just don't like the calls. Bring me a better play caller. Okay. Well, at least you're at least you're talking about something of substance, and you're not saying Joe Barry's a moron because that, like that's just dismissive. There's no merit to your argument. You're just personally attacking someone. You know, that's like little kid argument school of thought. There, right? Isn't that how like five year olds argue? You're, yeah. you're a dummy. No, you're a dummy. And then there's no there's no substance in there. You know, like we always said, too, and nobody can name a replacement either. They all want this guy gone. Right. Couldn't give you one list of nothing. And there's there's many people uh, on Twitter with large accounts. They 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 can't stop mentioning Joe Barry just like they couldn't. They hated Aaron Rodgers, but they constantly tweeted about him because it's all about the clicks. That's what it is. Yeah. When I tweet, man, I try to bring substance. I try to bring, okay, here, like, I wanted to follow this Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry thing because I'm trying to figure out, okay, who whose fault was that? Because I seen cover one man, and I'm like, why in the world is he playing so far off in cover one man? That's not how you play man coverage. There's, there's really two types of man you play. Well, three types. You play press man, physically jam at the line, and you try to alter their ability to get up the field. And then after five yards, you're in their hip pocket. You play mirror match press man where you're up on it like you're going to do that, but you just mirror them and you stay in their hip pocket the whole time. You don't really deter them from the line. 
And then you got what we call catch man, where you're playing typically three to five yards off the ball and you backpedal and you catch, you flip, you go with them, you're catching them as they're as you're playing man coverage. Um, there's not a man coverage other than three deep man prevent where you play that far off. The the lazy fans immediately said they're playing prevent because they looked at one player who was playing off. They didn't even take the time to look at the other people in coverage where they were three to five yards off of them. And immediately they go, well, that's the problem too. They need to be closer. So you're saying they should play press man every single play. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> and the analytics would disagree with that as well. But Zane Strong in the chat said, had Chargers defense on my fantasy, bad choice. They gave me negative three points, 63 points to Vegas. Sheesh, I got to hit you with one of these, man. That's bad. You, If you had the Chargers defense last night, here you go. That's a, that's a rough look, Zane. Rough look. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's kind of get back to what we were going to cover today. I think it's important to have those conversations, though, man. I really do. like, uh, And just I want everybody to know whether you disagree with me or not, you're welcome in here. And as long as we're all respectful, we're going to we're going to have a conversation about it. You, hell, you may convince me. Right. That's you know how I got to every opinion I have on football today. It's going to blow people's mind. But I've been convinced by other people. <laughs> True story. I just typically allow the people who have played in the league, coached in the league, managed in the league, them to be the ones that kind of sway my opinion, not Hambubger3569 on Twitter that's got, you know, 32 followers and, and 18 of them are porn bots. Not going to do it. Not yeah. going to allow them to shape my opinion. So, all right, let's get to the injury report. Um, Rob Domofsky said, sounds like Christian Watson hamstring will miss at least another week after LaFleur said he's not likely to be able to return to practice tomorrow. So, you know, I, when I first read that um, that LaFleur said he wouldn't be at practice tomorrow, I thought, well, that doesn't mean he's going to be out. But there is a lot of smoke around this, Tim. Um, Rob's talked about it. Uh, who else? Well, there's somebody else. I think Nagler tweeted about it as well. Several people tweeted about it. So it sounds like there's, there's stuff coming out of the building. that There's pretty much zero chance that Christian Watson's going to play this week. Also, um, Rob Domofsky said when asked uh, how he broke his thumb versus the Giants on the final drive, running back A.J. Dillon said, quote, got hit with the helmet lined up the right way. He then laughed and said, uh, quote, then we called another run play after that. <laughs> so he broke his finger <laughs> and called another run play. That would suck. Dillon had it wrapped and still figuring out if he can play that way uh, or not. I know uh, when they asked LaFleur about it, Tim, he was really, really uh, – uh, uh, blunt about it and said, I don't want to get into the details of that. So AJ ended up spilling the beans, you know, in the locker room saying it's broke. So Christian Watson, most likely out. There's a good chance that AJ Dillon is out. Let me pull up the, the full injury report and then I'll get your take here. Um, mm. Let's see. You got Jair Alexander limited again. Uh, AJ Dillon did not participate because of thumb. Enigbare limited. Uh, Elton Jenkins went from limited to did not participate, but it seems like it happened last week too. It's almost like they got him one on, one off nursing that shoulder injury. Uh, Aaron Jones, knee, limited participation. Keyshawn Nixon, limited. Jonathan Owens, limited. Jaden Reed, limited with the ankle. Darnell Savage did not participate with the shoulder, which he didn't participate Wednesday either. Um, good chance he may miss. TJ Slayton, um, limited participation both days. Eric Stokes, full participation again. This may be the week we see Stokes. I'm just tired of saying it, so I'm trying not to get my hopes up. Uh, Quay Walker with the shoulder injury did not participate Wednesday, but upgraded to limited uh, yesterday. And then uh, Christian Watson did not participate, obviously. Dontavian Wicks did not participate with the ankle injury Wednesday, but did participate in a limited fashion 
yesterday. Tim, anything stick out to you here as I kind of glance through the Tampa Bay side? I just think about A.J. Dillon, and I think about, you know, what he means to this team right now and how, how, how much we really truly – we do, we need him on the field. Um, I think if anyone's going to play through it, it's him. So I, I'm looking – I'm still holding out hope that Dillon tries to make a go of it. Um, I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers throw a football all year without without a thumb. Oh, no, we didn't, Tim. You're not so, allowed to talk about that. <laughs> so I would think that – He was just that, bad. Uh, He's washed up. I would think big boy AJ can, uh, you know, get a good rap job. It's probably figuring out what's the best way to, you know, splint that and wrap that and try and make a go of it. Um, of course, it's a little concerning when you're a ball carrier, you know, and the thumb, the thumb can be pretty uh, important to securing football uh, in your hand when you're running. But I also wonder, are we going to the classic, take a step forward, take a step back. Do we lose Dylan this week, but we get Jonesy back. You know, that could be a scenario that happens, which would be great if AJ can't play. Um, But the other glimmer of hope I see here, of course, Quay, Quay elevating looks to be, you know, getting better. But Dontavian Wicks uh, being limited and actually out there is huge. You know, that ankle thought we thought maybe he that holds him out. Hopefully he's a go, because if we're not going to have Scoot again, again, we need every every receiver we can have there. Definitely. Drew D in the chat uh, said, can't he just carry the ball in the other hand? The problem with that, Drew, as a football player, you're taught to hold the ball in the opposite hand away from the defense. So if it's a run left, you're going to hold it in your left hand. You keep it on the sideline side. If you're a run right, you're going to keep it in the right hand, right? Um, He could probably do that, but you're very, very vulnerable to fumbling. And also, when you're taught from the age of five to do that, going to be hard to break that in the, in the game, right, and be like, okay, I'm just going to carry it in my left hand all, all game long. It sounds silly, but that's kind of the first thing that sparks in my mind. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that that's, you know, the gospel, Drew, but that's the first thing that comes in my mind. So I'll tell you, um, he can still effectively pass pro and block with a broken thumb for sure. So. It's all going to depend on how they wrap that thing up, too, and just how severe it is. I, I'm kind of with you, Tim, if, if that is what your, your end, uh, I don't know, end opinion is. If Aaron Rodgers can play with a broken thumb throwing the football, I would imagine A.J. Dillon could probably play with it. You know, they'll inject it uh, so it limits the pain, probably have it splinted up somehow, some way where it can still grip the football, but it, you know, limit the damage he's going to take. These are the things we talk about. Some people go, oh, it's his little thumb. It ain't no big deal. Whatever, dude. Try doing anything with a broken thumb, bro. It sucks. Yep. <laughs> and fing- yeah, those fingers, toes, those kind of things, It's there's not much you can do. It's not like breaking your arm where they cast you up and, you know, you heal up like, your fingers and things that gets really tricky, man. A lot of little bones in your, in your hand and, and fingers. So, and in the cold, yeah, you you know, in the middle of winter, you stub your toe on the bed, boy, come on, ain't nothing, ain't nothing worse. Um, All right, let's see here. Uh, Oh, let me hit, let me hit the injury report on the Tampa side. The one couple things I want to mention, Carlton Davis, cornerback there, you know, he did not participate. Um, Will Golston didn't participate. Chris Goblin, Ryan Neal, Zach Triner, uh, Vita Vey, all those guys didn't participate. Devin White uh, or Devin White, their linebacker, uh, went from did not participate to full participation. So he upgraded. So did uh, Jamel Dean. But Chris Goblin's the one I would really kind of focus on. Yep. If Chris Goblin somehow, some way can't play, then you put all the attention on Mike Evans, obviously. The one thing I'm not too concerned about is Baker Mayfield running the way that, uh, that Danny DeVito. Not Tommy, Danny DeVito hey, did. Forget about uh, it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think. Here's the thing, too. When you look at when you look at 
coordinator versus coordinator, right? In the past, you got to kind of take that into consideration how they matched up, but also quarterback versus coordinator. I was at the game last year when uh, when Baker Mayfield was the starting quarterback for the Rams. Me and Jacob were there and went up against Joe Barry, and he looked horrible. Matter of fact, I think they picked him off a couple times, at least once. So uh, kind of got that going for us. But different ball club, you guys know every year is different. But it is port- important to kind of keep those matchups on the forefront too. So just keep that in mind as we move forward. Um, let's see here in the comments. Omer said, Sinovich said Drake is ready to go if we need him. Uh, give Taylor a shot. He's looked good. He looked really good. I thought Taylor played well. I hate that one mental mistake where LaFleur had to embarrass him in front of the entire country. Didn't enjoy that, me personally, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, let's see here. So with that being said, mentioning Stinovich, he also said this yesterday. Uh, Ryan Wood tweeted out, Adam Stinovich on Jordan Love's interception down the left side to Wicks. You guys seen we broke it down. I felt like his arm got hit. I haven't heard anybody else kind of mention that, but to me it looked like his elbow got slightly grazed. But he said, based on the safety's leverage, probably should have gone somewhere else with the ball, wanted to make a play, and he underthrew it. It's one of those things that as things go on, it'll make him a better quarterback. You guys know, as we broke that play down on Chalk Talk, that pick, it was absolutely huge. Um, When we broke that down, the answer I came up with was the slurl was open, right? And what he's talking about is as soon as the ball was snapped and Jordan looked deep, the safety just bent to that to bracket that go right off the, the bat. What I'm trying to say is, like Stenovich confirmed, extremely bad decision by Jordan Love, right? Just like the, you know, on the read option, he should have stayed to the sideline. He cut it back in, ends up worse, you know, not only did he not get the first down, but he ends up turning the ball over as well. So uh, one of the bright points from the game, obviously, was Tucker Kraft. Paul Brettel tweeted out from Wednesday, Kraft has been tied in one the last three weeks and made an impact in both the run and passing games. I've seen I've seen at least three plays where he was just dominant run blocking. It was awesome to see. During that span, Kraft ranks 11th in PFF run blocking. There you go. And eighth in average of yak, yards after catch. Quote, you could argue he's just as improved as anybody. I believe that was Stinovich that had that quote. You guys can go check that article out from Paul Brettel. He'll be on with us tonight for PTA, um, but that's at PackersWire.com. Just go to that tweet online and click the link. Check it out. Paul is the hardest working rider and uh, and Packers coverage. Just absolutely love his work. Now, it was cool because this is going to be a, hard, a little bit harder to see. The screenshot got wonky, but I'm going to post it anyway. Tucker Kraft tweeted out 14 hours ago. He said, uh, roughly 15 hours ago now, he said, there's no limit on the savagery you'll encounter when you back a hungry predator into a corner. I bled for this. Believe it. See you cheese heads in a few days. And he's got a couple pictures of him with the tight end crew on the sideline and him with that big game down the middle that we talked about where they hit him down the seam on that dagger play, um, where essentially a dagger is the outside receiver runs a dig underneath an inside receiver slash tight end running a go. That's what you call a dagger concept. But thought that was cool, man. There's no limit to the sad savagery you'll encounter when you back a hungry predator into the corner. Tim, I love this dude. I'm so I, I'm so excited to see him and Musgrave grow together, man. Oh, man, absolutely. And that's what you want in a tight end, man. A guy that's just, I mean, he's looking for contact. He wants to hit something on every play. And you have to, whether you're blocking or you're, you know, we saw him there yards after the catch and then, you know, lowering the shoulder, getting the extra chunk yards out of that play. Um, You know, not an easy guy to tackle. You know, a a guy that kind of refuses to be brought down. 
Um, you know, all the things we talk about with a lot of the, the great tight ends, honestly, that versatility. Yeah, you can run her out and catch the ball. Well, can you can you run block? Can you pass pass block? Can you, you know, do the little things? And let's make no mistake, you know, this has been a competitive tight end room since the beginning of camp with these with these young guys that we brought in. And Tucker Kraft has earned every single opportunity that he's given. We understand that the injury to Musgrave kind of expedited things for him to get more snaps, but you know Tucker Kraft has been doing the small things consistently for for as long as he's been here, and um, you know it's good to see him grow, man. And yeah, two-headed monster is going to be interesting to see when we get Musgrave and Kraft back together on the field. You yeah, know, it's I funny think. you even see Josiah Deguara played better ball. Yeah, uh, it's almost yeah, like a good run blocking. Yeah, you're picking your teammates up now and. You know, when you're when you're doing these things, you know, the guys that you're playing with that they want to come up to that level, too, and, and be the best. So, um, you know, yeah. Shout out to Tucker Kraft, man. Nothing but respect for that guy. Yeah. Steve in the chat say Kraft's becoming our Kaufman, Chamora, Finley and our Gronkowski. You know what? Since you said that, Steve, this week's giveaway, why don't we give away an autographed Mark Chamora jersey? I've got one of those in the hopper. So let's do that. We'll give that one away this week. So anybody who's a member of the PTA Posse, just a YouTube member, our group member on YouTube, if you go to our homepage, you'll see a tab saying click join. It's not subscribing to the channel, but you click join, you become a member of the PTA Posse. That'll put you into the contest to win that autographed uh, Mark Chamora jersey. Okay, I came from pristineauction.com. I got the the certificate of authentication. authenticity with it, all the good stuff. And also if you're in here right now, hit that like button for us. So other Packer fans can find this channel and find this, uh, this content. But yeah, I love, uh, love what crafts becoming. Um, Derek K said, that's a dog. Let's go. Um, look at this right here. Remember when half the fan base was ready to give up on craft drew, what you could do, man, you could actually blur out. You could white out crafts name at the end and just insert anybody's name yep. because that's how this season's been. Right now, it's it's funny too. Ryan does a good job of keeping up with it. Like he's constantly, like what what did I tell you? The title of his pod was last time when I went to upload a pod. I seen it in there. It said, uh, "Now the crosshairs are back on Joe Barry. Who was it? Joe Barry and Darnell Savage. That right? Yeah. So it's just this constant rotation. If the team doesn't play good, somebody's got to get fired, guys. Somebody's got to get out. Can them right? Cracks right. me. Bro, take the Chicago Bear approach too your team basically it's embarrassing man it's embarrassing yeah. just like the comments i guarantee that's why the packers were deleting the comments some of the stuff they were saying oh yeah so I, I just i just get i shouldn't i ain't gonna, I ain't gonna go there it ain't <laughs> working. let's uh let's move along here paul robertson said i bled for this chat scraped my finger on a keyboard once but kept going that's a dog right there ain't no doubt about it yeah crap's a big dude chewy chris is excited about that and we'll give away the, Ch- the chamora jersey for sure he's he's got a, a show many people don't know about um on espn uh morning show i think jen gabe and chewy pretty good i like him i don't agree with most of his takes but i respect his opinion and uh i like his approach it's just very kind of kind of hang out and you know i think this sounds stupid to be honest with you i don't understand why they're doing that <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like listening to listening to him from time to time for sure. So, all right, something else to hit on. Bang, PFF Green Bay Packers tweeted this out: said Jordan Love on twenty plus yards yard throws since week ten. So throws that are twenty yards or more down the field since week ten. 
But he struggles with the deep ball, Clayton. Right, right. He's 14 of 27 for 432 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, a passer rating of 121.5. That's third highest in the NFL. I had people commenting on our post-game show after this Giants game that commented at me and said, and you're, you're the idiot that said Jordan Love was the guy moving forward, LOL. It's like. I'll, I'm happily that idiot. I've been that <laughs> idiot for two years what I want to say is like, where were you the last three weeks? I didn't see you, bro. No positive comment. No, hey, man, the team's looking great. It's just there's a select number of fan base of the fan base that they are just chomping at the bit, waiting for the second. Go, go root for the Bears. Go be a Bears fan if you want to complain all the time. They, you'll have no shortage of things to complain about. I'm okay with the complaining, too. It's just – Say something positive when there's positive. Like, why is it always just negative? Um, and that's where I had to block the other guy I was talking about because he he came out and said, Clayton, once you quit trying to convince people that they have to be positive all the time, the world isn't as as positive as you like to pretend it is or something like that. And I'm like, oh, God, you miserable soul. Yep. <laughs> anyway, PFF Green Bay Packers, Zach Tom's 78.8 overall PFF grade ranks third among right tackles this season. You guys know when I talk about the position ranks with PFF, I typically on tackles, I say, hey, look, as long as you're in the top 64, you're technically starting caliber. That's comparing across the league. Yep. Um, I like that they went a step further and just got the right tackles themselves. He's the third highest right tackle in the game. You want to talk about a positive from this year, Tim? We have found our right tackle of the future. He will be here for the next 10 years. I'm convinced of that. I would put money on that. That I will, I don't, I, I think in no way, shape, or form will you look up in two or three years and go, Yeah, well, that was just a flash in the pan. He'd regress. Cool. Maybe we can get a right guard in the center to go with it. Hey, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. And again, those people that were that were doing victory laps on us who were pointing out that Josh Myers was playing bad. The only thing they had this week was that one end around where he got 15 yards down the field and made a block. Other than that, they have been really quiet. Yep. I, just, I wouldn't do that, but when people come and try to dunk on you and then they go quiet when something doesn't go like they said it was going to go, you got to mention it. All yep. right. So let's do this real quick. Let's talk about the odds of the buck game coming up. Maybe some tendencies. We're going to go rapid fire here and then we'll get out of here with you guys. I'll try to come back to the chat here. Um, I try to I try to use the chat, man. I want to get your all's opinion out there, but at the same time, I do get comments, people saying, hey, man, um, you know, you used to give more information, you used to be more detailed and stuff, trying to find that happy medium to make everybody happy. So all, all criticism is welcome. Even if it's rude, you're just going to get blocked. But I want to know what's on people's minds <laughs> and uh, kind of which direction we want to steer the ship. But with that being said, right here, what we have is these are the odds for the Packers-Tampa game. I want to say this, too. Uh, these odds are going to be provided, and all the information gambling-wise moving forward is going to be provided from BetUS. They are now the official gambling partner of Packers Total Access. Glad to have them on board. And uh, they've been around actually since 1994. They were established in 1994, America's favorite sports book. So excited to form a partnership with them. So when we go to odds, when we talk about odds you can get, we talk about parlays you can get, stuff like that. We're not a gambling show. We're not going to pretend to be. We're not going to change anything. You guys know I mention the odds every week because I think it's important to keep your finger on the pulse when it comes to Vegas odds. Um, they're Like I said, BetUS is on board with Packers Total Access. So we're excited to have them on board as a sponsor. And we're going to be able to get you guys deals and stuff like that moving forward. There's actually going to be a link where if you want to bet with them, hold off on that a second. They're supposed to be getting me the link today. We'll be able to get you some deals with that. And it'll also help the show if you want to support the show in that way. So 
with that being said, going into the Tampa Bay game at Lambeau Field, 1 o'clock kickoff um, or 12 o'clock kickoff local time, I should say, there on Sunday, uh, the Packers are currently three-and-a-half-point favorites, according to U.S. or Bet U.S. okay, in their books. Total in the game, uh, the over is 42-and-a-half, okay? So the over-under is 42-and-a-half. Sounds like there's going to be quite a few points scored. Now, take that into consideration. If, if Vegas kind of has that set as the over-under, it's not obviously it's nowhere near 100% success rate that they get this right. But typically, a majority of the time, they're right there in the ballpark. We were talking about giving up 20 points per game, right? What's that tell you? We need to try to drop about 22 on this team, don't we? We need okay. to try to get to the, the 23 mark should win you this game unless the defense flops, right? Um, I would love to see the defense rebound and, and really come out and play play strong and, and hold them to 14 points or something, right? But Tampa Bay is a much better team than the New York Giants. I feel comfortable saying that. I really do. So with that being said, three-and-a-half-point favorites um, going into the game, what are Tampa Bay's tendencies? Um, on offense, let's rattle through them real quick. 11 personnel, which is three wide receiver sets. They're in 11 personnel 71% of the time. That's the 10th highest in the league in their EPA when they're in 11 personnel, which is kind of their success rate. They're ranked 14th. This is according to SIS data. This is from the 33rd team. You guys know that website is uh, basically created and ran by former executives, former coaches, former players. I really, really trust the information that they find that they deem is valuable. Okay, so 11 personnel, 10th highest in the league. They're ranked kind of right in the middle of the pack at 14th EPA. They run 13 personnel 4% of the time. That's 15th highest in the league. Their EPA goes down to 22 or 22nd, I should say. They're in 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. 12 and 13 will trigger our base, so that's why that's important. They run 12 personnel 24% of the time. That's 10th highest, and their EPA is 20th. So they're most successful, according to SIS data, they're most successful while they're in 11 personnel, okay, and they run it 71% of the time. But you're going to see a healthy dose of 12 personnel. Uh, that's kind of their running down or their running sets at 24%, but they're not as effective according to EPA. So this isn't a lights-out offense, but they can burn you at any point, Tim. This offense is one of those offenses they've got weapons that when Goblin's healthy, and uh, like we said, Mike Evans is a huge target for Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield is better than some people give him credit for. I think he's one of those guys who can get going a hot streak, going a heater right there on Sunday and uh, and do some damage. So that's kind of how their offensive identity is sent. Now, when we talk about offense identity, okay, they're in shotgun 71% of the time. That's 17th highest in the league. They're under center 29% of the time. That's 16th highest in the league. They use motion 41%. That's 26th highest. So they're they're definitely uh, in the bottom bottom half, really the bottom third of teams that use motion across the league. No motion, um, seventh highest in the league that they have snaps with no motion. I think that's a good thing because I feel like our defense struggles with motion this year. All right. Um, as far as uh, running gap run, 30 percent of the time, that's 22nd highest They're They run zone run scheme 70 percent of the time. That's 11th highest. So this is a zone heavy uh, running team. I think that helps the Packers a bit simply because we're a zone heavy team. We've been a zone heavy team for quite some time. That's what our defense has got to face in practice the majority of the time. So that, to me, makes me feel better than if it was gap, right? They run play action 28% of the time. That's actually sixth highest in the league. But the problem is when they run play action, it being out of gun the majority of the time, their EPA is 22nd. So not very effective, although they do it a lot. That might explain the record, just to be honest. Um, drop, back, uh, uh, drop back passes play 72% of the time. That's 27th highest in the league there. So um, just to kind of give you an idea of what their offense does. Anything you want to hit on there, Tim? Any 
anything you want to comment on, whether it be the, the personnel groupings or their success rate or how often they, they do that as far as an offensive identity goes. I guess I'm just trying to, you know, I'm still learning to, um, mm-hmm. you know, the game and everything, just looking at them running a lot of 11. I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of the, a lot of nickel, right? Nickel two, four, five. And, you know, you know, we're not going to see a lot of our base defense if, if the, if this game plays out like well, this. That's the thing. Like 11 personnel is always going to dominate Tim, no matter who you're playing. Every team in the league runs 11 personnel more than, more than any other formation. When you want to go, okay, is this more often than not, we're going to be in base. You want to look at the 12 personnel. So they run 12 personnel 10th highest in the league. So that would suggest to me you may see a little more base this year than you normally don't. But like you said, you hit the nail on the head, 71% of the snaps should be nickel. So the nickel will be on the field you know, a large majority of the time. But we may see a little more base compared to here recently and some of the other teams we played. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, and I'm looking for, you know, that being said then, this is a great opportunity for Keyshawn Nixon to come out and ball and, and to and to get himself a get right game after what we just saw on Monday night. You yeah. know, we're we're gonna need we're gonna need him uh to play well. You know, yeah. you, you mentioned man, Godwin, you know, I, yeah, you don't want anyone to be hurt in this league, but man, if that guy missed, that would certainly lighten the load. Um, you know, Mike Evans eats a lot off of that. Uh the, the action that, you know, Godwin's creating, you know, we, we do the same thing with our receivers, you know, can't, yeah. you can't double team everyone. So. All right. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lord. Can't triple stamp a double stamp. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the defense side real quick. Um, just their tendencies, their personnel, their, their identity, if you will. They're, they've been in base 34% of the time. Keep in mind guys, it's not like they're just choosing to play these, these type of defenses. It's because the offenses they're facing are triggering them. When someone runs their 21 or 12 personnel, it's going to trigger their base. When someone runs 11 personnel, it's going to trigger their nickel, right? So it's not like they're openly saying, okay, here's what we're going to run. The league, you you typically match personnel. That's how defenses operate, okay? So uh, they're in their base defense 34% of the time. That's second highest. So the teams they played has kept them in the base, right? Their EPA rank is 25th. When it comes to base defense, not very good. Nickel, 57% of the time they've been in nickel, they're 20th in EPA. Okay. Dime plus 6%, that's 18th most. They're ranked 22nd in the league in EPA. Okay. Against gap run, you guys know we run pretty much every running scheme there is, right? We run gap, we run duo, we run zone, we run outside zone, we run pin and pull, we run crack toss, do pretty much everything. Gap run, against gap run, they face it 28% of the time. Their EPA is 17th. Zone run, though, 72% of the time, their EPA is 7th. So they run a lot of zone run. They've seen it a lot in practice. They're good at stopping it. That's what it tells me right there. That's the first thing that pops out on the surface. So uh, zone run, we this might be the week you get away from zone run a little bit and try to go to a little more duo or maybe even go to uh, to some pulling game right here, right, some gap run, if you will. Um, because they're a little less effective at stopping that. Man coverage, they play man coverage 22% of the time. That's 20th highest in the league, and they rank 30th in EPA. Zone coverage 62% of the time. That's 13th highest, and they rank 25th in EPA. They bring three rushers 6% of the time. That's 11th highest. They bring four rushers 55% of the time. That is 30th most in the league. And then they bring five rushers 31% of the time. That's second most. They bring six rushers 
8% of the time, that's fifth most. So to put that into perspective, they are a blitzing team. They bring five guys, second most in the league. Their EPA, though, however, is 25th, not very effective. Six-plus rushers, they do that. They bring that fifth most in the league at 8%, and their EPA is 27th. Middle field open, Tim. Middle field, let's see, uh, middle of field close, I'm sorry, single high look, post-snap, post-snap adjustment, single high look. They run that 48% of the time. That's called middle field close. That's 10th highest in the league. Their EPA is 31st in the league. And the middle field open, two on the shelf, shell coverage, uh, you know, end result of the play, you finish with two safeties on the shelf. 38% of the time, that's 22nd most in the league, and they're ranked 14th in EPA. So that's kind of how their defense lays out. Thoughts, comments, what are you thinking here, Book? Hit them sideline throws, man. Like we begged for last week, right? Hit them okay. sideline throws. Get it out on time. No extra hitch at the top of the drop. No ball padding. Just throw it. If you if, if you see it, you got to say it, right? Yep. Just throw it. We missed a tutter uh, on Monday with just a little extra hitch from, from Jay money and uh, the ball was PBU'd. So um, these are the, we got to take those shots when we get them and and you got to no hesitation. You got to just pull the trigger, but yeah, definitely. I want to see some outs. I want to see, you know, opportunity to stretch the field in the passing game is going to come along the sidelines for sure. At least most of the time. And then, yeah, if they do go middle field open, you know, give me some Tucker craft again in the middle hit, let's, let's hit those or let's hit some of those, uh, those slurls or those sit routes, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, even Dobby, man, Rome, Rome's great at, at grabbing those balls too in the middle of the field. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. We got to take our shots on the, on the boundary for sure. Yeah. Dakota in the chat says, I like gap run, but when, but we need the left side of our, our line to improve going right. The majority of the time will be unfortunate. Completely agree with that, buddy. Derek yep. Case says, if Jordan can see the blitz coming, he can defeat it. Absolutely. Completely agree. Drew D in the chat says, let's see some wide receiver screens. Hey, there you go. little bubble action. You haven't seen a bubble screen much at all since Aaron left. Um, I'll take one with Tucker Craft lead blocking. Ooh, let's go, dude. Let's go. <laughs> I'm all about that. Um, Dakota says, if our if our line can slow it down, Jordan can defeat it. Completely agree. Yep. Um, Randy Clevers in the chat says, or Cleavers, I apologize if I mispronounced that, step, plant, and throw. Yeah, that that last little hitch he put on that that throw should have been picked off, that one to Torre. Luckily, it wasn't. Yep. But, uh, yeah, got to get the ball off on time. Derek K. let Kraft hit some people. He's all about it. You've seen the tweet, boys. You've seen the tweet. He says, good old slobber knocker. Paul Robertson says, only way we lose this game is if we fumble in the run game with less experienced players. Otherwise, I see us picking them apart downfield. I hope you're right, my man. Um, it's going to come down to the same thing we said against the Giants. You know, any given Sunday, anything can happen. This this could be like a pass to set up the run kind of game, not a not a run to set up the pass, right? Right. Like, I mean, could be. Yeah, could be. The big thing though is going to be turnover differential in middle late. You yeah. lost both of those on one play last week. That was the muff punt. Got to um, if, if that play doesn't happen, you win that ball game. I'm 100 percent convinced. But yep. um, it is what it is. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Got to move forward, but that's that was the big takeaway. Every week when we do Chalk Talk, there's some big big takeaway where we go, yeah, that was the side factor right there. Yep. It might not be one play. It might be just one topic, though, like, okay, you know, the run defense in this aspect or us turning the ball over or what have you. This week with the Giants, unfortunately, that at the end of every Chalk Talk notes, I put at the bottom of the page the one definitive thing that I came away with, and that's what I put, one play – Lost you turnover differential and the middle late, therefore losing you the game. Um, 
it's a it's a it's a game of inches too, you know. Yep. If uh, if he doesn't originally muff the punt, he handles it with the initial catch. Heck, he might have gotten a thirty yard return, right? Who knows? He had time to muff it, pick it up, and or try to pick it up and move up field. So there's a good chance he had enough space to run. But I'm telling you, that's one of the hardest jobs in football, man. Is oh yeah, staring straight up in the air, right? While at least eight to nine grown AWS men are sprinting at you recklessly and you have to do this, even if you call a fair catch, even if you call a fair catch, you're gambling on the fact that they're going to see you call a fair catch and not hit you anyways. Right. It's tough, man. That's I don't want that job, Tim. I'll stick to what I'm doing full time. That's but, right. You know, anyway. and we, like we said, Keyshawn's a playmaker, right? He was trying to make a play there. He, he knows, he knows what he did. Yeah. It was just tough to watch because you saw him fall on it, which is the right thing to do. And then the trying to get back up again is what what screwed us on that play. Right. Completely agree. All right, guys, we're out of here. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Uh, you guys were awesome in the chat, man. It was lit up. Love having this. Uh, love having this huge, uh, huge crowd in here with us. Um, I got a comment on this. I got to hit it real quick. Jim says Lafleur threw Nixon under the bus and W. Um, I don't know what the W was. I don't think he threw Nixon under the bus, man. Um, you know, like what he said was what what he said was it true? Like, right? He said you you cannot do that in that situation. I mean, it was it was the difference in the game. Um, I guess he did throw him under the bus, Jim. I I I, I take that back. He could have just not said anything, right? And not that this is you, but. We complain when the coaches don't say stuff. Oh, it's just coach speak. And then when they say it, we, you know, you threw them under the bus. So it's a tough position to be in for sure, man, for sure. Um, and Jim says, and I agree, <laughs> right? It's one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. So if you ask me, hindsight, you wish LaFleur hadn't said it. I wish he hadn't said it. There's no positive that comes out of that, right? right. I'm sure Key knows. If Key doesn't know, then that's LaFleur's job to – criticize him in private and go, hey, dude, get your head out of your rear end, right? Again, I couldn't I couldn't do nowhere near as, as good uh, staring up in the sky and expecting to get my cap taken off. You know, Well, then, saying? you know, if A.J. Dillon is a question mark, man, I say we just put Key at, at uh, running back, you know, put him in the that. offense, we'll put Darnell in the slot, you know, and let's just go because Keyshawn wants to make plays. We got banged up running backs. Let's yeah. go. Give AJ the week off, man. Let him get that farming in. John Deere Green. On a hot summer night, he rode Billy Bob Charlene. All right, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate y'all. We'll be back tonight, 7 p.m. Central, 8 Eastern for Packers Total Access Live. We're going to have Paul Brettel in here to straighten us out, give us some uh, some good nuggets that we otherwise wouldn't have known. Love when Paul's on the show. He's an absolutely awesome guy. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel and, uh, and share his articles and stuff. He does a phenomenal job with how he writes those up. So we'll see you guys tonight. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go back, go. Go back, go.